Exodus chapter 12, and uh, we're going to read just eight verses, verses 1 through 8. Um, it says this, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you should keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood, put it on the two doorposts, and on the lintel of the houses where they, where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So the picture that's drawn for us, the instruction given to the Israelites is to take a lamb, to kill it, to apply the blood to the doorpost in the home in which they're going to eat it, and then each home was to take that lamb and eat. They could eat as much as they needed, and <clears throat> what they did not need, they were to share with their neighbor. And I want to preach to you today under this title, How Much Lamb Do You Need? How Much Lamb Do You Need? Do you know what the devil wants from you? Do you know what he would like to have from you? The simple answer would be that he wants to destroy you, right? 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary... The devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is seeking whom he may devour. More than anything in the world, he wants to devour your life. But he must first find a place in your life in which he can work. One of the places he will take advantage of us is in our times of suffering that's why Peter goes on in verse 9 and he writes resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world it's in suffering sometimes that he will grab a foothold in your life and the devourer will seek to destroy you because what the devil is in, it's not just in devouring, but if he can get into a place in your life, he will find that place. That is why we're told in Ephesians 4.27, do not give place to the devil. And that word place in this verse, what it really means, it means opportunity. Don't give the devil an opportunity in your life. What kind of opportunities present themselves? Well, there are times when the enemy gets in your ear and he talks 
about the failures of your life and he talks about the things that are presented to you there are temptations in the world he talks to you about everything he's looking for an opportunity and a place to dwell Jesus made it clear Matthew 12 and Luke 11 he said that when an unclean evil spirit leaves a person it returns to find the house swept put in order and he takes seven other spirits more wicked and they enter and dwell there why because there's a void there's a space there it was clean it was swept out it was put in order but nothing filled the void and so the devil looks for a clean place an empty place an opportunity a void in our lives that he can fill at the same time, we're directed to create space in our life. Space for God. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. And praise, in a sense, is God's people making space for him. It's moving some things out. When you think about we come in and we sing worship songs and we clap our hands and we lift our hands and we rejoice and we make a joyful noise, what we're doing is we're praising God and we're kind of shirking off all of the things that may have crept in here with us when we walked into the building. We're making space for God to inhabit because God inhabits the praises of his people. And the Christian should not allow any place for Satan to take a space in our life. And what does that require? It requires diligence. It, it requires guarding your life. Guarding every avenue into your life that when a void is present, when an emptiness is present, the devil has no opportunity to fill it. But to keep Satan out, I think to keep Satan out, it's important that you must know what God has given you. And you must be certain that you understand what God has given to you. Scripture says of a Christian, their whole body belongs to God. There's nothing, no portion, no place in our heart, in our soul, in our mind, in our life that belongs to anyone other than to God. If you're a blood-bought Christian, God, God own, owns your life. He owns everything about you. Your life is His. Everyone say, my life belongs to God. But in knowing that your life belongs to God, you need to know what He says about you. Your mind belongs to God. And sometimes that means that you must refuse to lose your mind or even loan it out for a season. It must be kept under guard. And not just under guard, but under guard by the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4 and 7 says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Your heart belongs to God. The Spirit of God keeps you from having a broken heart. Your soul belongs to God. Your life belongs to God. Your today belongs to Him. Your tomorrow belongs to Him. You have to know what is yours. Healing is yours. Peace is yours. 
Deliverance is yours. Faith is yours. Joy is yours. Your children are yours. Your life, your home, your family, it's yours. And you need to take up a position of authority and guard your life so that the devil cannot take any of it away from you. Because he wants to do more than anything is take it away from you. He wants to rob, steal, kill, and destroy and take every promise that God has given you away from your life. I'm talking to someone this morning that may look like the devil has robbed you. It may look like time has gone past, but God has the last say. And as long as God has the last say in a blood-bought Christian's life, God has said some things over your life, and the devil cannot take that away. And it doesn't matter what life looks like. It doesn't matter what your challenge looks like. It doesn't matter the problem or situation you face. And it doesn't matter what you've lost. As long as God has a final say, God has spoken some things. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to convince you that it's too late. God's economy goes like this. Whatever is yours is still yours because it's never too late when God's in the picture. Genesis is the book of beginnings. And if you truly want to understand scriptures, I'm going to give you a little key here about understanding the scriptures. You have to understand that the principle of God's word and the principles in God's word are repeated throughout Scripture. In other words, if you find a principle in the Old Testament, you're going to find a corresponding Scripture or principle in the New Testament. Theologians refer to them as types and shadows. You're going to see the same principle repeated over and over in multiple places in different analogies and different ways. The things that God is trying to teach us in His Word, they repeat themselves because quite honestly, we can be a little thick-headed sometimes amen we miss out on some things but there are principles that repeat themselves and so genesis is the book of beginnings what that means is that if the blood washed in the beginning with adam and eve then the blood washes in the new testament if there's a substitution in genesis the book of beginnings, then there is a substitution in Revelation. If there is faith in Genesis, the book of beginnings, then there is faith in the book of Acts. And when God created the earth, he bounded it and he divided it. He furnished it and he adorned it. Then he created a man and a woman in his image. And he was placing his image on the earth in humanity. That's what God was doing. He breathed the breath of life into that empty vessel of a man. Because when God creates something, when when God forms something, when God builds something, God will fill it. When man made the tabernacle according to God's instructions, God filled it with his presence. And that point is repeated over and over in Scripture. Everything that God forms, he will fill. Everything that God forms, he will fill. God formed man and God filled man with the breath of life. God gives instruction for his house and when it is built, God's presence fills that house. God fills the spaces that he forms or we make for him. He fills the voids and the emptiness. He fills in those places when there is emptiness there. Paul wrote in Romans 8:28 that all things 
work together for good to those who love God. Oh, that's, that's a hard saying. That's a hard thing to reconcile sometimes, that everything works together. Everything. Everything that happens in a blood-bought Christian's life is allowed by God. I know some of us are going to be uncomfortable with that. Sometimes those things do not feel like they're for our good. Amen? Some things happen that create voids, they create vacuums, they create, create space, or they create just plain emptiness. And we wonder, how can that happen? How did this happen to me? I am a Christian. I'm a child of God. I've been faithful. I've been doing the things that I'm supposed to do, that I was taught to do, that Scripture tells me to do. But it feels like God is not being faithful to me. God is creating space. And if God creates space, God will fill that space. Isaiah said it like this, Isaiah 54 and 1, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. Barren, an empty place, an empty space, something not being produced there. He says, sing, 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 O barren. Talking about big hurts, big problems, big debts, big dilemmas. Because life will put all of us in situations where we have big needs. I'm talking about big mountains that you can't think that I could possibly ever climb, that I could ever overcome. On top of all that, it seems God doesn't show up in the middle of those big problems and big hurts and big debts, and big dilemmas and big struggles. God is not there. That's at least what the enemy would lead you to believe. That God has not shown up in your big need. Where is your God in all of this? He hasn't shown up yet. But that's not the way it is. God created the needs in the first place. He put what was in your life to be there for this time and for this season because all those big problems are just an opportunity for God to show himself strong in your life. He has done it before. He'll do it again. I believe I'm preaching to people who have been helped by God through some big problems. I'm preaching to some people that you face the dilemmas of life and you face the mountain you could not climb and you have faced some seasons that you didn't think you'd ever walk through. You face some barrenness. You face some things that you thought, if anybody saw what was going on in my life, they would think I'd just crumble under this. But God saw you through. David said, my God, by my God, I have run through a troop. By my God, I have leapt over a wall. You have some space in your life. You have a void in your life, and God wants to fill it up because that's the kind of God he is. He is a God who fills the emptiness. He is a God who fills up the voids and the spaces of life. But this is what a Christian should not do. Christians should not base expectations on what has happened 
in the past. Don't allow your experiences of, of the past to pollute your faith for today. Don't allow what's happened in the past to pollute the faith that you have for today and you have for tomorrow. A child of God should not base today or tomorrow on the experiences of yesterday because today is a new day. He is in your today and he will be in your tomorrow and he works in the present moment. That's when God works. So troubles of the past, they, maybe they've been there, maybe they've consistently been with you, but don't allow that to dictate what God can can do in your future because faith is a now faith it's a right now moment it's living in faith because the truth is troubles do not change what he has said about you dilemmas do not change what he has said about you what the enemy would steal from you does not change what he has said about you this is how God works in people's lives he bound you and he will divide you he will furnish you and he will adorn you and he does it all for one simple reason to put his image in your life he wants to put his image in you. It's Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Troubles do not change what he has said about you. Your struggle, your problem, your challenge, the thing that you're facing, it does not change what he said about you. You might say, well, I don't feel like that's what's happening. I don't feel like that the hope of glory is what's happening in my life. It doesn't matter what you feel it's what he said over you jesus said in john 7 37 38 if anyone thirsts if anyone thirsts that's the void that's the empty space that's the spot that needs to be filled he who believes on me in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water he who believes in me he will feel the emptiness verse 39 says but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the holy spirit was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified he will fill the emptiness in your life with his spirit which he is giving because he has been glorified he is still giving it out and God wants to fill the empty places and will fill the empty places. God can take the most difficult, disastrous situation in your life and fill it and turn it into victory for you. He's done it before and he will do it again. That's what happened for Job in Job's life. Job was left empty and void and had nothing but God filled in the places. When God was done with everything that was going on and, and proving to the enemy that Job was going to stick with God faithfully, then God filled in all of the void and the vacuum that had been left. God created space in Job's life for his end to be greater than his beginning. That's what he did for Jacob. Jacob was so discouraged, he didn't know what to do. He had lost a son. For years, he had grieved the loss 
of Joseph. Created a void in his life, an empty spot. It looked like the God of his fathers had forsaken him. He lost too many things in life. Now there's a famine. And if they didn't get some food, if things didn't change, if it didn't turn around, it looked like they were going to perish. And his sons run into the house and say, Jacob, guess what? Father, guess what? Joseph is alive. He's not only alive, but he's doing better than the rest of us. He's the governor of the land of Egypt, the entire land. He's got it all, and he can say and do what he wants to do there. He wants us to come to where he's at so he can keep us. But he couldn't believe it. Jacob said, you leave me alone. Leave me alone and let me die. Let me go to my grave in peace. Don't lie to me. Quit lying to me. You've lied to me enough times already. Just let me die without you lying to me again. And he said, just come see. Come see what Joseph has sent. Come see the carts that are going to take us back home. And when he saw the carts loaded that were sent to carry him to Egypt, it says the spirit of Israel revived in him. And he said, I will go and see my son Joseph before I die. God had made a lot of space in Jacob's life. There was so much space. It just seemed like there was nothing but a void, emptiness, because there's nothing quite like grieving something you have lost. But when the time was right, God filled that space. And out of your loneliness, out of your pain, out of your troubles, out of your heartaches, and out of your sorrows, out of your fears, out of the lowest places of your life, out of your belly, that's where God's going to bring it. You know what the belly is? The New King James Version says in John that it's out of the belly that living waters will flow. You know what the belly is? It's the lowest place in your life. It's the lowest season in your life. It's the lowest time. And it's in those times where there's a void and there's an emptiness and something has been lost that he causes something new to be born and to break forth. That's what God does. God can take a dark situation and make it light as day. God can take a disastrous situation and turn it into a victory. He does it all the time for all kinds of people so God led Israel out of Egypt by the strength of his hand it was the middle of the year it's the middle of the year when God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt so God said to them in Exodus chapter 12 this is a new beginning verse 12 says this month shall be your beginnings of months it shall be the first month of the year to you. He said, I, I know you've got a calendar. I know you've been following it. But I'm going to tear that up. I'm starting brand new. This is a new day. I know you already celebrated the new year. But I'm tearing that up. This is going to be the new year. This is going to be a new season for you. 
This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. I don't care what everyone else has told you. This is a new season. God took their calendar and he tore it just up and he threw it right away. He said, this is the beginning and everything that I want to do is starting from right now. It has a brand new beginning that's going to happen in your life. You know, that's what I love about living for God. I love living for God because he loves new beginnings. Every day is a new beginning. Every week can be a new beginning. Every month can be a new beginning. Every year, you may have failed last year, you may have failed last week, but there's a new beginning. His mercy is made new every morning. God loves new beginnings. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Every time the righteous get up, you know what it is? It's a new beginning. And I'm saying to someone today, it's time to get up. There's a new beginning in your future. Today can be that new day. Today can be that new beginning. You just have to rise up from where you're at. God loves new beginnings. So God creates for Israel new beginning and he instructs them about the Passover lamb he says each man will take a lamb for his household and if the house is too small then take what is left and you share it with some neighbors you give it to the neighbors beside you you take whatever you need you can have as little or as much as you need how much do you need Because whatever you need, that's what you can have. You can have a lot, or you can have a little. And the choice is yours. I need a lot. I need a whole lot. I I enjoy a buffet. you can always go back I don't even have to have the new plate if they run out of plates you know every one of these buffets they want you to get a new plate I don't need a new plate I got a plate you can have as much as you want and the choice is yours he wants to fill the void and empty places of your life he says they that hunger thirst shall be filled what is that that's hunger it's thirst it's a void it's something that's empty in life john 6 53 jesus said this and it caused a lot of his followers to leave him and he turned to his disciples and he asked them are you are you going to leave me also because of this Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. What's interesting about this is he had just fed 5,000 people with a little bread. Just a little bit of bread. I'm getting ready to end. 
He fed 5,000 people. One of Jesus' most notable miracles. People who don't even attend church a lot of times know about Jesus feeding the 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread. He had just walked on the water in the middle of the storm. A lot of people know about Jesus walking on the water. Then Jesus said, unless you get the lamb on the inside of you, you have no life. Unless you get the lamb inside of you, you have no life. And because of that, they left him. Some people try to make it on things that the world offers for satisfaction. They try to make it on physical things. Don't get me wrong, you need bread. You need to pay your bills. You need to get the physical things of life. But those things do not satisfy. They don't give life. They don't fill the emptiness. They don't occupy the voids in your life. There's only two things that can come in and fill the void. It's either going to be the Spirit of God, the presence of God, or it's going to be the enemy who wants to destroy you. How much lamb do you need? Because you can have as much as you want. You can go back and go back and go back. There's never going to be a limit to how much lamb there is. You think about the Israelites, they're preparing these lambs, getting ready. It's a momentous occasion. They're about to be delivered. They're going to be free. And you know, there's probably some homes that they had enough kids they got through eating that lamb. There was not much. It may have been picked clean. There may have been a few homes where they had more than enough. And they called for their neighbors to come over. You know, this, we got our lamb, but if you'll, if you'll come in our house tonight, we got the blood on the doorpost. We noticed you didn't have a lamb. If you'll eat this lamb with us, We'll all be saved. We'll be okay. And there was enough for two households. You know, for you and I, there's no getting down to the end of the lamb and saying, man, I'm glad we had just enough that every one of us got to eat some. There's more than enough, always. And how much ever you need in your life, and I'm talking to some people that you know you need a lot of the lamb. You can have as much as you want. And there's enough there that whenever you go and you fill your plate in your life that you can go to a neighbor and say, look what I've got. Look what I have. There's lamb for you too. There's enough for everyone. And God creates a void, but he is not in the purpose of just leaving the emptiness and leaving the struggle and leaving the challenge of life and saying, well, I made it, I'm going to leave it. Whatever he forms, he will fill. 
he filled the Israelites on that night. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he filled his people. Jesus said in John, he said, I'm going to send a helper to you. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send one that will walk through you. That's what that means, helper and comforter. It comes from the word of parakletos, paraclete. It means one who stands by and doesn't abandon you. And if you don't have the Spirit of God in your life, if you've not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as they did in Acts chapter 2, speaking in tongues, you're missing out on something God has to fill the void in your life. The helper that walks alongside you. If you'll stand with me. God, you see every person in this place. You see every person who would be joining us online. God, I pray in Jesus' name right now. God, you see the places in our lives that are empty. God, you see every place that there's been a void allowed to be created. You've allowed all of these things. God, when we're far from you, you allow all the things that happen in life to turn us toward you. And when we're walking with you, you allow things to happen in our life so that you can fill those places. God, I pray right now that the Spirit of God, that your Spirit would witness in this place to us. That God, the thing that we are facing, the challenge, it's, it's not there. Emptiness is not there for us just to suffer in life but it's so you can so show yourself strong in our lives could you take a moment and talk to the Lord right now the spirit of God is here he's talking to someone but you've been looking at that emptiness you're doing everything you can to keep the enemy from getting in there you're doing everything you can to keep bitterness from building its home there God has created an emptiness and a void there so he can fill it and he's ready to fill it don't let past experiences dictate your faith for today don't let what things have happened in the past control the outcome for today let God have his way you give it to God and you let go and God's gonna fill that void in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name church family I wonder if we could join around the front let's give the Lord an opportunity to speak to us and pray God I need you today Lord I need more of you I need more of you I need more of you in Jesus name I need more of you Lord I need a whole lot of the lamb today I need a whole lot of the lamb. I need a lot of the lamb, God. Lord, I need to know that every promise.